Right, we're gonna, we have got three readings this morning, okay? Um, we're going to go through them. We are going to look at them as a bigger picture. Um, but the one thing that I would, if possible, if we're going to pay attention to any of the readings, it'll be this first one, okay? Which is from the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 1, and it is verses 3 to 9. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord? This is the word of the Lord. You guys are getting a lot better at that now. <laughs> Good job. Um, okay. Now, I don't really consider myself to be a particularly traditional person. I don't think it's a word anyone would use to describe me. Um, but it turns out, the more I've looked into this, the more I realize that actually I am probably a little bit traditional. Um, it may not be in the way that you would kind of expect when you hear the word traditional, but um, particularly at this time of year, I realize that I love some tradition. Um, and one I want to share with you is when I was growing up, um, at Christmas Eve, we'd have this kind of dodgy O'Hara music-a-thon where everyone would play whatever it is they'd learned that year in their respective music lessons. Or we would uh, share some stories, make some, have some jokes, um, and it would just be a way to kind of tire the kids out before bed, let's be totally honest. My parents knew what they were doing. But right at the end of it, my favorite thing would happen. My dad would disappear off into the porch, and about 10 minutes later, in would walk Billy Claus. Billy Claus definitely wasn't Santa Claus, because apparently Santa was too busy on Christmas Eve. That was the, the logic. I think my dad just had a burgundy dressing gown, not a red one, and didn't look quite close enough to be Father Christmas. So he'd come in, and uh, we'd sit down and he'd read us like the story before bed and tell us to get to bed or we wouldn't wake up and have any presents. Now, I don't know if I'm ashamed or proud to say, but this went on for far too long. <laughs> we were way too old when this was still going on. I think my dad loved it as much as we did. There was no pretense. We knew it was my dad going out into the porch and coming back in almost from the first time he did it, I think. Um, and interestingly, he tried doing this a couple of years back when we went to visit with Grace, and she was not having it. <laughs> not for the second she knew it was him taking all his Christmas gear off. Um, but it turns out there are certain traditions that I love. And a couple of years back when I started my theology training, I started to hear about church history and church tradition, particularly the church calendar. Um, and I found myself, well, starting to love this ancient piece of tradition, particularly uh, this season that we have just started today, which is Advent. 
Now, I don't know if you've had an, hands up if you've had an advent calendar yet. Fewer people than I expected. Okay, very cool. So advent calendars are fun. Um, but the church tradition of advent um, is a particularly interesting time of year. It's, well, it's at least 1,500 years old. That's quite old in terms of church stuff. Um, and a time, it's a time where the church turns its heart, turns its worship, and we turn our prayers towards longing for Jesus to come. We join in with the Israelites who longed for the Messiah to come, and we also long for Jesus to come again. And that is my point this morning. The King is coming. Can we say that together? One, two, three. The King is coming. And when he comes, he will bring a new creation with him, fixing all the brokenness of this world. And there's nothing we can do to make that kingdom come. All we can do is wait and do what we can to show glimmers of that coming kingdom. So we're going to look at another passage of Scripture. This is from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64. Now, Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, um, and in the chapter before this, he's just prayed a prayer of penitence, of repentance, a prayer saying sorry on behalf of the Israelites. And this comes straight after it, and here Isaiah is talking to God, and he says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived No eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those uh, who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are your people. These are powerful, powerful words from the prophet Isaiah. And then our last reading is from uh, the book of Revelation in chapter 21. And the book of Revelation comes right at the end of the Bible right at the end of the New Testament, and it talks about what is to come. And it's a vision given to John by Jesus. 
And this little bit that we're reading now comes right at the end of it, right after some pretty hardcore stuff. And John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. This is a bold prophecy of what will happen once the king has come again. So, as we saw in Isaiah, the Israelites longed for their Messiah to come, rend the heavens open, rip the sky apart, and come down. And it cries, he's crying out, and if I'm honest and I'm reading it, it sounds like Isaiah is crying out in pain. And if you read the rest of Isaiah, you'll probably understand why. And just like Isaiah and the Israelites were doing when they were longing for their Messiah to come, for Christ to come, we are also longing for Christ to come again. Revelation 21 says that when Christ comes, he will bring a new heaven and a new earth. He will bring them together, and God will dwell with us. The very thing that Isaiah is asking for in our reading. But it also says, and this was my, my favorite part this morning, it also says there will be no pain, no suffering, and God will wipe away every tear. So, we have Isaiah, and we have Revelation, and we are stuck somewhere in the middle. Jesus has come. That's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus came, and as he came, it made it possible for us to draw nearer to God, for us to be saved. He has started his work. He is calling his people to him, but it is in his return that his work is finished. N.T. Wright, a wonderful New Testament theologian, uh, we're, glad, we're glad to have him, glad he's still alive, still writing as well, though he is getting on. Um, he describes the story of life as we see it in the Bible as a five-act play. And it begins with creation, we find that in the book of Genesis, uh, moves on to Act 2, which is the fall, which is where sin entered into the world and humans became separate from God. That is also still found in Genesis. And then Act 3, we have the relationship between God and Israel, or the covenant. Stuff that we start to see forming with Moses. And then Act 4, Jesus. Jesus comes and binds people to God through their belief. And kind of becomes the fulfillment of the covenant God has with Israel. And then we have Act 5, which is from 
the early church to the end, as we've read in Revelation, and we're somewhere around there. And if I'm totally honest, this can be an uncomfortable place to be. Life is hard. We experience setbacks, illnesses, people hurt us. I really felt this this morning at three o'clock when I woke up because suddenly I had a flare-up of, um, what, was, what were we calling it? Sia, thank you, sciatica, uh, which, if I'm honest, is uh, very unpleasant. I'm here with a nice little hot water bottle tucked into my belt, and I'm on the cocodamol, so we're getting there. Um, but honestly, when I was sat there this morning, knowing I was going to talk about this and able to go back to sleep because I was in pain, I was just thinking about, oh, but when you do come, God, pain will be gone. Like, this was real for me at three o'clock this morning, <laughs> and it's real for me now. When he comes again, there will be no pain, no suffering, no tears. Peace and the unencumbered presence of God. It's amazing. And it is what we are longing for. Paul has some encouragement for us and the church in Corinth, as we saw in the first reading. He says that, to the Corinthians and to us, that we are not lacking in any spiritual gift. And this is thanks to the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can be strengthened by Jesus, taught to persevere, to lean into the situation we are in, and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be an agent for change. We can very quickly dwell on the, oh man, life's hard, Come again, God. That's great. That's not something we shouldn't be doing. But we are also challenged to live here now. And while we wait, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to usher in the coming kingdom. Now, this is probably, one of a, this is probably more of a picture for the guys in the room. Um, I don't know if you've ever been an usher at a wedding. Um, if I'm totally honest, I mean, I've, I've been an usher a few times, and if I'm totally honest, I've had mixed experiences. <laughs> um, basically, in my experience of being an usher, you don't really know what's going on. You just turn up, you try and do a job, you try and do your best, you try and help people join in the party, and then you try and have a good time. It's a pretty weird job, being an usher at a wedding. But I think there's something about being an usher of the kingdom which has a real similarity to that. Because in all honesty, you know little bits about what's going on. You've got scripture, you've got people around you, you've got the Holy Spirit. But half the time, you're just kind of riding the wave and seeing what happens. And all you can do is join in. All you can do is show people to their place at the party and try to have a good time while doing it. And just um, a, a, a real clear example of this, I was moaning about my sciatica earlier, and Carl was like, right, we're going to pray for you. And they prayed for it. I wanna, I'd love to say it suddenly got better, but it, it, it'll be on the mend, hopefully. But the thing is, that in itself is an act of ushering in the kingdom. It's just going, okay, that's horrible. The kingdom's coming, and that's not a part of the kingdom, so we're going to pray against this. That is being an usher of the kingdom. It's a simple thing to do. So, the king is coming. We say it again together. The king is coming. And when he comes, 
pain will end and suffering will be done. He will bring peace. He will bring heaven to us and we will be forever in, an unbro- in the unbroken presence of God. But for now, in the meantime, and in this Advent season specifically, we are going to cry out to him and ask him to come. But know that while we are waiting, we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And in a minute, we're going to do something very, some more tradition, a great tradition um, at this time of year as Advent begins is to sing an Advent hymn, which you've probably sung at Christmas, called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And we are going to sing that in a moment. Um, I just thought it'd be good to kind of go, oh, there's a bit of tradition to come. Um, but it's also one of my favorite. I mean, I just got it in there because I love it. Um, but anyway, so as um, we are in this weird place where we're waiting and we can cry out for God to come, Jesus did it himself in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. These are Jesus' words. So it's perfectly fine for us to say, come, Lord Jesus, come, King. So be encouraged. We can cry out these things, but we can also, we can also know that we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Be encouraged. If you believe in Jesus, then you are not alone. If you have faith in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. And we can cry out to God for him to come. But in the meantime, let's be kingdom ushers. Now, if the band would like to come up, I'm just gonna, we're just going to pray. In a moment, we'll sing that Advent hymn. Lord God, we thank you that when you come, you will make everything right. That when you come again, you will end our pain, you will end all suffering, and you will fully restore us into unencumbered relationship with you. Lord God, we sometimes we're a bit like Israel. And we push against what we know is true. And we run from you. And we live within our transgression. But we know that, Lord God, you are faithful. And you are true. And that when you say that you love us and that you will come, we believe you. So, Lord God, we say now, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.